Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. After just taking three consecutive Mondays off, we are finally back. It's the month of May. It's our first episode of the month of May. It's the final rush in the Premier League and in the Serie A. This is episode 60 of our second season. We're currently live on YouTube and the Twitch. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or in any uh, other podcast format, just remember that every Monday night we will be live until the very end of the season. Remember to follow us on Instagram at AngloItalianPod, on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, and to give a cheeky little follow to our sponsor at Sports Club Maps. I'm Tommaso, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Rory. I am here. Tommy, it feels good to be back. We have had a few Mondays off. You can probably hear my voice. It's been a bit of a rough weekend, but we are back. We're ready to go. Lots of football to talk about. Lots and lots to talk about. Tommy, how are we doing? We're doing great. Uh, I'm going to share it with you listeners right away. Last night, I was super hyped because finally, I lost my stand-up comedy virginity. And uh, it was awesome, man. It went well. People How laughed. Did it go? Apparently, I don't know. I just uh, always thought I'm a pretty funny dude. And uh, seeing that your jokes actually make some people laugh, well, I don't know. It was kind of tight, I guess, to see, you know? I like yeah. it, man. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm going to have to come and check you out at some point. Although yeah. it's in Italian, I'll laugh politely even if I don't get it, right? I can I'll laugh loudly and politely. Perfect. I'll make a joke yeah. about that. If you hear somebody <laughs> overly laughing, they're not understanding anything, but they're my friends. So please show some respect. How was your weekend, Rory? It was good. I had visitors again, as you may be aware, Tommy. We did actually meet up for a few beers. Uh, visitors? Time. As in UFOs and shit? Um, it was a spiritual awakening as my nice. friends returned from Amalfi and a friend who I used to live with came back to Milan, which was really nice. So another busy weekend, not much time to watch football, but still managed to squeeze it in there, guys. Don't uh, don't worry. But yeah, good weekend. Lots of drinking, far too much drinking, beautiful weather, beautiful weather. Um, a little bit red on the nose. I think the lighting is doing me a few favors, but I did catch the sun a little bit. I've been in Italy a long time, but I've not adjusted that much yet. I don't. It's just that it's just that uh, part of the year when the weather is so good, it just calls for a few beers in a beer garden or at a park. What can we do about it, guys? It's the weather. Exactly. We are only human. We can't control ourselves that much. But yesterday, it was uh, Labor Day here in Italy. It's a very heartfelt uh, holiday here in Italy. Um, It's basically the day of the workers, everybody who works. Um, So our shout-out goes, number one, to all the people that were working yesterday, including my buddy Leroy, who was delivering by bike, and he said... (laughs) People are really assholes. Like they know very well that it's May first, and they left no tips as if it was oh. any other day. And yes, I that might just that. be Milan, man. I get major London vibes from Milan. I don't know. Yeah, that might just be Milanese. That's just shitty. To anybody listening who deliver who gets food delivered at home, don't tip on the don't tip on the app because it gets mm-hmm. taxed. Just tip, man. Two three euros. Like you add them up in a day, and that makes a lot. But our thoughts also go to. And this is inspired from a beautiful post by Italian football Instagram page Calciatori Brutti, which means ugly footballers. Their uh, the little um, the picture that they have is a picture of Rodrigo Taddei. God knows why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the streets will never forget, but also yeah, our eyes will never forget his face. But the post was beautiful. It was dedicated to all those people that work heavy jobs day in, day out, and despite knowing very well that they will never become professional footballers, also because these people sometimes are 35, 40, even older, they still play football in non-leagues. They still, you know, come back home, eat something real quick, and go to play in the fog, in the rain, in the, in the you know, in any weather condition, just because they love the game. So shout out to you guys, um, Rory and I, are not among you, but uh, we try to talk about football because it's also our passion. And today, I guess we're going to start from all around Europe. We've got uh, two titles to cover at least. Rory, where do you want to start from? Let's start in Italy. Let's start in Italy and then we'll pick up Premier League at the end. What do we think? No, I was thinking more of Turkey and Spain. Oh, wait. No, no, no. We Honestly, guys, we do plan. I'm just incredibly forgetful. Yes, <laughs> Tommy, we need to start at the rest of the world as two Serie A legends have won titles this weekend. Um, 
let's start with one of my favorite players from like the 2000s um, Serie A, not just for the haircut, but for the absolute baller that he was. Marek Hamšík finally getting his hands on a league title with Trabs on Spore. And I'm sure you've all seen the videos online, guys, but that city was going off. Their first title in 38 years. Unbelievable. And they've won it like by 20 odd points, right? It is by yeah. some distance. Yeah. It's just great to see that it's, uh, I mean, kind of funny to see that it's easier to win a league after 38 years with Trabzonspor than it is to win it with Napoli. Some things, they never change. But yes, it was definitely beautiful to see. The pictures were insane. All the footage of the the the, the spectators going into the field with their, with their flashlights mm-hmm. on, on their phones. It just looked absolutely incredible. So congratulations to Trabzonspor. They've made it. 38 years. That's a long time. Spurs fan, there is a hope for you too, I guess. I don't know. And Maybe not this year. Yeah. And <laughs> the other Serie A legend, Rory, I will let you introduce it. This is all summed up in an incredible picture. Possibly one of my favorite football pictures ever. I can't stop looking at the photo. It's just the coldest photo I've ever seen in my life. It just looks so sick. So it is, um, I want to get it right, Vinicius, Rodrigo, David Alaba, and... Mariano, maybe. I'm not sure who the other guy is. And Carlo Ancelotti, just with his sunglasses, huge cigar, as he completes the five major European leagues by winning La Liga with Real Madrid, which I think, like, it seems when Real Madrid win the title, it doesn't seem like that big an achievement. But it's mm-hmm. actually neither side have won it consistently for a long time, if you know what I mean. And, like, even when you look at players like Modric, Tony Kroos, this is only their third La Liga title, right? And you'd kind of expect them to almost have more. So I think Ancelotti winning the league with them is huge. And especially as he might not be finished yet, right? He may, there may be more to collect this season. But obviously this is more about what legacy he's going to leave behind as a manager and the first manager to complete all five major European titles. Tommy, do you think he's the greatest Italian manager of all time? I think uh, there is a, the contest is between him and the Trapattoni. Um, okay. But uh, I think that Ancelotti, I think that they could both be up there in the top 10 managers of all time. But I do believe that Ancelotti, the, he's done something that other managers haven't done. He's played in four different decades and adapted mm-hmm. his football to four different decades with new characteristics, new features. And, uh, you know, when winning a title with AC Milan in 2004 and then 17 years later, you managed to win one with Real Madrid and there have been new players coming in, old players leaving. And uh, I don't know. I just think uh, I just think it's a, it's a statement to, to what he's done and to the intelligence that this man has. Um, and also, yeah, I love his attitude. There was another, another little video of him tapping on Benzema's shoulder, on the right shoulder. Benzema turns right, <laughs> and then he's on the left, and he's like, it's me. And I was just like, that is Absolute the type classic. of stupid jokes that I do to my friends, and I fucking love it. So, yeah, congratulations, Carlo. Honestly, of all the managers AC Milan have had over the years, he's the only one that has never really bothered me. One of the one of the, the ones that I was kind of jealous that AC Milan had. So, congratulations, Carlo Ancelotti. Five major European league titles, the first manager to ever do so. At the end of this episode, we're also going to quickly preview the games, the semifinals that are going to be played on Tuesday. So tonight for you listeners in podcast format and on Wednesday. But it's about time that we start reviewing what has happened over the weekend. Let's start from the top of Serie A. I am rocking an Inter kit for the first time in a long time because... All of a sudden, I believe it's time to believe. Um, Inter Milan win comfortably, not so much. Away at Udine, 2-1. An incredible goal. I mean, incredible. Uh, very bad defending. But a beautiful goal by Perisic. A header in the first half. Um, then they manage to score the 2-0. Lautaro Martinez gets the post. Luckily, the goalkeeper is hit after the ball hits the post and the Lautaro Martinez can head the ball freely into the net. The referee was having a shocker of a day. He hadn't seen the contact for the penalty and the VAR did call him up to say that indeed it was a penalty. A very soft one. Yes, I do agree with you. But by the rules, it was a penalty. 
And I didn't know this rule, but if the ball doesn't touch any player and just bounces off the post mm -hmm. from a penalty kick, the goal is disallowed if you have bought it or touch it back in. So the VA, the referee uh, ruled the goal out. The VAR called him. They were like, there was a touch by the goalkeeper after the ball hit the post. Mm -hmm. Upon receiving it, he did allow the goal. And it wouldn't be Inter Milan if towards the final minutes of the game, you do not shit your pants. So Udinese managed to score one. Beautiful free kick. It's 2-1. At the end of the day, Inter are able to see it out and keep their distance from AC Milan at two points. Difficult not to think about the game against Bologna. Really difficult at this point not to think about this game. But I am hopeful because... I did watch the highlights of the AC Milan game. And if it wasn't for the Fiorentina goalkeeper just literally serving mm. the ball to Rafael Leao by, while trying to build from the back, that goal wouldn't have happened. And I want to say that the final result would have been nil-nil. So AC Milan, Rafael Leao having an incredible season, the first time in his career that he goes double digits in a national league. So congratulations to one of those players that, honestly, I really, really like. Uh, one of the few players I want to say in the top four uh, Serie A teams with a lot of flair and uh, mm -hmm. he's also growing personality I feel like he's starting to become the guy that can really carry the weight of his shoulder of the team on his shoulders and the score crucial goals um, but the rest of the game it felt like AC Milan had plenty of chances and they kind of squandered them it feels like they do feel the pressure of AC, of Inter Milan behind their back there are now three games to go AC Milan right now, um, they need only seven points. So two wins and one draw. They're going to take on Verona next weekend away from home. Then they have their last game at home against Atalanta. And the final match day will be against Sassuolo away from home. On the other hand, Inter Milan have got to play against uh, teams that are kind of fighting for relegation in fact uh, in the in the next uh, the, the the next matches that Inter Milan has are against Empoli who are almost on the beach Cagliari who are definitely not on the beach we're going to cover that and Sampdoria that get a crucial win in the derby against Genoa 1-0 and uh, they just need a few more points to be to feel good about mm -hmm. their position talking about the top 4 Napoli and Juventus have also secured the Champions League football for the next season. And uh, Rory, let's start from Napoli. What can we say about this team? It was so obviously going to happen that the second they couldn't lift the Scudetto, they go out and absolutely slap one of the teams that have caused a lot of teams' problems this year. I feel like as a Napoli fan, you would just it would be even more infuriating. Every goal that went in in that game you would just be swearing. You would just yeah. be like, you would not be happy about a single one of them because none of it really matters anymore. But it still has to be said, um, it shows a good response from the Napoli players, right? They could have easily just thrown the towel in on the season. It shows that Spalletti has still got, like the, the players are still absolutely playing for him. Of course, they've had a great season, but it shows that there's a good like team unity there. And there is mm -hmm. still like, it's just a classic Napoli thing. Maybe for next year they can challenge, if you know what I mean? But it's like, it's a good sign, even though it would have been incredibly infuriating for the um, <clears throat> for any Napoli fans. What did you think of the game? I, I When I checked the score, I thought, you know, Sassuolo are not a bad side, but they are prone to kind of melting down every so often, right? Yeah, Sassuolo and Verona, we're going to talk about it. Two of the mid-table teams with the best goal-scoring record in this season, uh, they kind of collapsed. They are definitely on the beach. Um, they were coming from, uh, let me check the results, they were coming already from two consecutive defeats. One against Cagliari, one against Juventus. Mm -hmm. Definitely not their best moment. And a lot of the goals in the first half just came from very poor defending, um, like being tackled and losing the ball in midfield. And then now were just able to build up an easy play and score. They were down 4-0 at the 40th minute mark, so it really felt like they went in there without any aspirations, really. But yes, by watching the way Napoli played, you were just like, guys, where was this in the games against Fiorentina and Dempoli? Like, uh, literally, where was that? In the draw against Roma, we didn't see any of that. That's what they were lacking. Mm -hmm. And we've got a question from our friend at the Hopeless Wanderer podcast. Do we think Spalletti will get a chance again next season with Napoli? Or are we expecting the Laurentiis to pull the trigger? Look, 
from what I read online on Twitter and on Instagram, Napoli fans seem pretty content with what Spalletti mm. has done this season. Um, what has happened this year, it's not Spalletti's fault. Like, it's... Uh, well, partially it can be, but I think it's just like this deeply rooted thing that Napoli have to not see things out at the end of the season. Um, they've also had a difficult season if we consider all the players that left for the Africa Cup of Nations, the fact that Oziman was injured for the better part of 90 days. Uh, they've had a, a pretty big Di Lorenzo injury. So they haven't had an easy season. Have they made the most of it? I think that they could still be competing for the title because... That one against the Empoli was a major, major, mm. major mm. slip. So there is definitely something to regret in this season. I do not think that De Laurentiis should pull the trigger, which means nothing because he's a psycho and we don't really understand what his plan is. But I think that the Napoli people, they want Spalletti to stay. They want to give him another season. And I think that would be just fair. Will he get a chance again next season? Look, I think it all depends a lot on the summer transfers. Uh, mm. I think that there are... This was like... A transition in Serie A football this season. Uh, we're seeing how neither AC Milan nor Inter Milan, one of the two teams, are going to win the title. They are not going to go down in history as Serie A greats. You will not remember the lineup by heart in five years' time. Um, so I think that this was a bit of a transition for Serie A. And uh, we will see how the summer window goes. But I think it depends a lot on that to to kind of assess who the challengers are going to be. What do you think, Rory? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the rumours about Ossiman leaving don't seem to be going anywhere. At first, I thought it was kind of lazy journalism of just link a star striker with a club and then just go from there. But I feel like the rumours really aren't going anywhere. They are starting to kind of like price prices are being mentioned. It's starting to pick up pace. I think maybe... Napoli are seeing there's an opportunity to make their money back and they might just do it while they can. But I think with the Napoli squad, well, they'd be stupid to sack Spalletti because this is the closest they've been to winning the Scudetto, I think, in a while where they've pushed this late, right? I don't think they were this involved last year. Well, they definitely weren't this involved last year. I think it's been a while since they genuinely were like contenders up until May. Right, I think yeah. that's still a very good job. Um, <clears throat> I think for the squad, they just haven't got anyone with winning experience. Like Inter, obviously, now have a squad that have gone out and won things. Right, they've won the they've won Serie A, um, and now they've won like the Super Coppa, and they, they're in the Coppa Italia final. They've got that kind of experience. Milan, they've got players that have won things elsewhere. Right, they've not won True. at Milan, but they've got players like Zlatan, they've got Giroud, they've got kind of. Even like Tomori, like players that have been involved and won things at other clubs. Even Maignan, go yeah. title winning he goal at Lille. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like these clubs have got that experience. And when you get a result like that Napoli-Empoli game, that is from the lack of experience in the team of winning and, and having those pressure situations. So I think if Napoli maybe hopefully stuck with Spalletti but brought in some players with that bit of experience, with a league title in England or a league title in Spain or wherever it is, it could take them that extra yard. It could take them that extra couple of games that keeps them in the fight for the last game of the season. If you know what I mean? I think they're like, they're very, very close. But I think also in order for them to do that and spend that money, they need to sell players because the Laurentiis doesn't throw money around. Not really. Um, I think a lot of the money they spend is from, players they've then sold, right? I don't think yeah. he just bankrolls it. So I think they're very, very close, but you're right. De Laurentiis is a bit of a psycho and nobody can really guess what he's going to do next. <laughs> we'll see how the summer goes. By the, way, by the way, his name just came up as we were just chatting, uh, answering Adam's question. But I do think that if AC Milan win the title, a big part uh, is they, they owe it to Mike Mignan, their goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's honestly masterclass from Maldini, the way they were mm-hmm. able to replace a world-class goalkeeper like Donnarumma with arguably a better keeper. Um, it wasn't. Yet- it's not been an issue this year. The whole of last season, the Donnarumma rumours, the Donnarumma contract was just a massive distraction. They managed to replace him, and nobody's talked about it. It's it is. Like and if they genius. if they've talked about it as being for his incredible distribution, yeah. his incredible saves, and just leadership, like he had a mm-hmm. great save on Cabral yesterday mm-hmm. from from blank blank. What do you call it? Blank point, point blank, blank distance. From point blank distance, a header going basically into the net, and he just like put his body on it. He had the rebound as well, and he just his distribution is also insane. He can pinpoint a pass on the other side of the field. 
Talking it was only like 20 yeah. million or something they got him for, right? It wasn't expensive at yeah, all. I don't want to look up into it. I'll just get mad thinking of our... I think it was like, I'm going to say 28 million, but I need to go check that. Yeah, please, Inter Milan management, just work on the goalkeeping situation for next season. Like, either Onana or Andanovic or whatever, just figure it out. I don't want these alternation going in, this rotation going in goal. Talking about other games, on a Saturday, uh, we had Cagliari-Verona. Praise to Igor Tudor's Verona. They are so on the beach. They're, they've already put sunscreen all over their bodies. Despite this, it may be for a passion that they have to fuck the reputation of teams from the south, but <laughs> they go to Cagliari to play a game and try to win it. The headline definitely goes to Antonin Barak, his 11th goal this season, 11th goal for Rory's fantasy <gasps> football I'm team. absolutely in love with him. I am absolutely in love with him. Guys, this team we were counting off mic before going live for this episode. Caprari, Simeone, and Barak have had 39 goals combined in this Serie A season. Uh, just like we were comparing them a little bit to Sassuolo because Verona have got 61 goals scored, Sassuolo have got 60, and uh, AC Milan, top of the league, also have got 61. So these two teams, if they can work a little bit on their defenses, I think that they would be very interesting dark horses in the race for Europe come next yeah. season. Um, both teams have lost quite a bit of games. Elas Verona 11, Sassuolo 13. If we look at all the teams that are competing for a European spot, the, the teams that have got the most losses are Roma and Lazio with 10. If they can improve from that aspect, I would honestly love to see Verona just going to the Conference League or to the Europa League. I think that would be great. And you were arguing the fact that uh, Inter should go for Barak, right? I think I think there's a... Every time I watch him, I think there's something he could do at Inter. I feel like they could find a... He could be the link between the midfield and the attack. He can also goal score. Like, I think he could do that Trequatista kind of attacking midfield role. I think, like... If Inter don't get him, I feel like he'd go to another big club and in two years you'd be going, oh, damn, we should have signed him. I feel like yeah. the the next move he gets or a big move he gets, he really could like become a bit of a like a, a name who's not just known in Serie A, right? I yeah. think he genuinely is a very, very good player. Uh, not just because I got him in fantasy this year, just every time I've watched him, he's been outstanding. And that Verona front three, I'd have to check where they are now, but earlier in the season, they were like the third most lethal attack in Europe. Like they are, they have been incredible throughout the season. Simeone has found a home kind of, he's like really looking happy there. Um, and yeah, Caprari, just great, great partnership. And Igor Tudor, now he was the guy who was at Juventus for that all or nothing doc, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's the only one that came across well in it. <laughs> and I thought he just seemed like he was really switched on. His interviews were really interesting. I think he could be a coach that, again, in a few years, other clubs are looking at. Like that kind of, well, just an up-and-coming manager, I suppose. I think the job he's doing at Verona, whilst not spending a lot of money, is very, very impressive. And they're great entertaining team to watch but yeah maybe sort out the defense a little bit for Cagliari a great Joao Pedro free kick wasn't enough it's their fourth loss in their last five games and the relegation battle is getting intense their next fixtures are going to be next week against the Salernitana we're going to talk about them Oof. in a second then they've got Inter Milan and the last match day they're against Venezia, so arguably they can fight. For, they, they've got their, their destiny in their own hands. We will see how it goes. It's definitely an interesting race. The only team that seems really at this point doomed to be relegated, it's uh, Venezia. Genoa really need a miracle. Venezia, they lost against Juventus, uh, an unusual brace by Bonucci. They were in the game until the very end. Like it's, uh, I think it's really underwhelming the way Juventus are playing and Venezia. They could have easily drawn, easily won that game if it wasn't for these two episodes in which Bonucci was able to score. Aramu, incredible free kick. Go, mm. look, go look up that goal. Um, it's actually Ampadu from Wales who is able to control this very tricky ball kind of like spikes it up in the air. I don't remember who assisted Ramo just like 
grounds it with his chest and Aramu just like first intention on the far post. Beautiful, beautiful goal to draw, but it wasn't enough. For I feel ben- like sorry, I feel like the Benucci brace happens once a year. Once a season, he gets two goals and it wins him a game. I feel like it happened. I saw it happen last year because I had him in fantasy last year. I remember being like, oh, Benucci's just got me a brace. I feel like it happens every year. Just one game, he gets them the goals that wins in the game. Um, and he both of them were the- from a, combi- a combined distance of like half a yard. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. It was- absolutely. <laughs> well, Venezia, they have a game in hand, which they're going to play this week on Thursday against Salernitana. And then it's Bologna, Roma, and Cagliari. So this relegation battle, guys, just like the Serie A title, I hope, is going to go all the way to May 22nd, the last Serie A match day. On Saturday, we also had uh, Sampdoria winning a clutch, um, winning a clutch uh, derby against Genoa. Late drama for Genoa as their captain, Domenico Criscito, who had already signed a contract with Toronto and then said, nope, I want to stay until the end of the season with Genoa to try and rescue them from relegation. He's given the chance to draw the game and equalize it at the 93rd minute, and the penalty is a miss. Good save by um, good save by the Sampdoria goalkeeper and uh, Genoa look doomed. Their next fixtures are going to be against Juventus, Napoli, and Bologna. Ouch. Oh my days! Yeah, sorry Genoa, but we've talked about how they might need a hard. Sorry, reset, but right? not sorry. You yeah. guys kind of deserve it. Like, come on, come on, you, Genoa. Look, Genoa, beautiful city. I love everything about Genoa. Great drinking and eating. Oldest club in culture. Italy, etc., etc. But but you guys just just go back one year, just tabula rasa, as the Romans used to say. You like everything from scratch. You start over. You've got great supporters. Yeah, actually, praise to the Genoa supporters. Some of the best supporters in Italy. Always there rooting for their team, but I'm afraid next year you will be sitting in Serie B. And they and were find... they were bought out recently, right? They've got yeah. new owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And American... American owners. Yeah. Hard reset and then go again from Serie B. I think it's probably for the best. We're almost done with the Serie A uh, review. We've got to talk about the Roma clubs as Lazio win against the Spezia away from home, a 4-3. The last goal is an absolute howler from the referee who doesn't see the clear offside, offside position of Acerbi. Both the referee and the video assistant referee have been banned until the end of the season uh, by Lega Serie A. However, this wasn't enough for a certain Jose Mourinho, whom, after drawing a game nil-nil against Bologna, he goes to the press conference room and all he talks about is a certain team, never says the name, who won thanks to an offside goal late in the game the day before. Of course, he was talking about Lazio and the Lazio press office did not wait to release an official statement saying that they will undergo legal ways to make sure that Roma get rid, man, the wording was beautiful. We know it was something like, we know that you cannot sleep at night without thinking about us. However, if this is going to create problems to our reputation of uh, a club with morals, then we're going to take legal ways to make sure that you just shut your mouth about us when when we're not in the situation. Why would you talk about Lazio when you're talking about Roma-Bologna, nil-nil? Because it's a classic Mourinho deflect <laughs> from a disappointing result whilst also getting your own fans so on board. It is genius level. Like Rather than the Roma fans being pissed off that they've drawn a really boring game at home to a team that they should be beating, they're now going, oh, our manager's a fucking genius. He's wound up that lot down the road. Mourinho, <laughs> he honestly, he really knows how to spin disappointing results. It is like arguably... His greatest quality, like what his yeah, biggest been talent. For, he's been doing it for the better part of thirty years. So he's been doing definitely... it since he became a manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's what he does best. Um, and finally, and Roma fans will absolutely love him for it. So fair play, Adam. Our friend Adam from the Hopeless Wanderer podcast was saying that Zurkowski from Empoli would also be a good fit for Inter Milan. Oof. Yes, he did score over the weekend. He did score the one nil against the Torino. However, then a certain Andrea Belotti, possibly in his last season with a Granata shirt, walks on the pitch, scores two penalties, 
a third goal to make it a hat-trick, and that's 3-1 for Ivan Juric's team. Empoli did end the game with nine players instead of 11. Tonight, we are recording on a Monday, of course, and tonight we've got Atalanta-Salernitana. Atalanta going with the intense tridente up front, Muriel, Boga, Zapata. Salernitana, they come from three consecutive wins. Atalanta have been terrible at home this season. Only four wins. Can Salernitana make history, win their fourth consecutive game? And I, I keep thinking when I think of Salernitana, of that speech by Al Pacino in every given Sunday oh, in the locker room. We fight song. for every inch. We fight with our claws and our teeth. And I want to think that that's what's going on right now as we are recording in the Salernitana locker room. That's it with Serie A. Rory, Premier League, we were counting them out. You said Everton are fucked. But <laughs> Richarlison, I felt like when he got that flair and he was celebrating while looking into the camera, I felt like he was looking at you, Rory. He was like, we're not done yet, bud. That is going to be like an iconic photo in like, by next season, Everton fans will be like, this is the moment our season changed. Um, what is going on <laughs> with Everton. I do not understand. They have looked absolutely woeful in all of their games and somehow they have now beaten Manchester United and Chelsea 1-0. Um, they lost to Burnley at that point. We thought they were like, you are fucked. Burnley will get onto and their sudden turn in form has been incredible. But for Everton now, they find themselves... In 18th position, so they're still in the relegation zone on 32 points, but they've got a game in hand on Leeds, who are on 34. So if Everton win their game in hand, they will put themselves a point ahead of Leeds. Now, when we've talked about Everton before, we've talked about how hard their running is, and it is still pretty tricky, but they've definitely gotten past the hardest bit. They've played United, beat them, played Liverpool, lost that, played Chelsea, won that, now they've got Leicester, who have been awful in the Premier League and are fully focusing on the Conference League. Then they've got Watford, who are basically relegated. Brentford, kind of on the beach. Palace, kind of on the beach. And then Everton, and then Arsenal um, away, and Everton have beaten Arsenal the last three, four times they've played. And you so know I they're going to win their game, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll all be on the line for our top four, and they're going to beat us at home. I know that. <laughs> but I think <clears throat> with Everton, they've got past that hardest run of form, and they've still in with a fight. So I think, look, I'm officially retiring from making predictions because I never get no, anything right. Rory, but, come on. The wrong predictions only section. Is it <laughs> out the window now? I just, no, no, it, it will continue. I just can't make any more predictions about top four or the relegation. Um, as for Leeds, again, played one more game than ever and they've got to play Arsenal away next, then Chelsea at home, which might actually be a chance to get a point how Chelsea have been playing recently. Then they've got to play Brighton, Brentford and Villa. So I think Leeds... Over the next two games, they could find themselves in massive trouble. I think it's been in like the relegation battle is the most exciting one we've had for a while. I think Burnley now nine point, no, 10 points in four games. Sacking Sean Dice seemed to have been an absolute masterstroke. They came from 1 0 down um, after a Tarkovsky own goal to win 2 3 in their. Uh, 2-1 even in the 83rd and 86th minute. This this Burnley team just know how to stay up. So it's been a great, great weekend down at the bottom. But we need to talk about the Everton game, actually, and about <clears throat> how they won this game. Chelsea seem to be giving away goals like <laughs> like sweets at the moment. They handed Arsenal two goals. Um, I feel like the game in between that, they gave, like, they've had some really soft defending. Now, I know they've had a lot of injuries and Tuchel has tried to blame it on injuries, but I think the players they've got playing there should be more than good enough. And it's just lapses in concentration. How Richarlison has just gifted that. It's a great finish, but how the defender is not dealing with that better, especially as like you would think... Tuchel, after the Arsenal game especially, he, he said, like, we can't keep making these mistakes. We're giving away goals, like two goals every game. You'd think they'd have been, like, working on it, coaching it, just trying to be like, right, let's just go back to basics, get rid of these errors that are costing us so much. But they hand Everton one. And then Jordan Pickford has one of the best goalkeeping displays. He makes a double save that is honestly, you, you have to see it to believe it. It's incredible. He makes a save from a, um, a near post header. He was unbeatable. And I think he's a player that obviously a lot of people don't like. Well, uh, Liverpool fans don't like. I think everyone else seems to like him. But I think 
he he gets a lot of stick, but for England, he's always been fantastic. And for Everton, he's been pretty good. And you would think that if it wasn't for him, they would be in a much worse position. I think this is a performance. He obviously got man of the match. He fully deserved it. <clears throat> and he ensured that Everton now can live to fight another day. I still worry about the fact that Everton are turning up in the big games, right? They're beating Chelsea, they're beating United, but they lost to Burnley. I, I worry that as the games get easier, maybe they kind of relax. I still wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Palace. Remember, they got battered by them in the in the cup, right? I think Everton could still slip up, but they've definitely, definitely given themselves a shout. I just worry that Lampard might not be able to tactically keep up with some of those like wiser teams down there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, well, number one, Chelsea. We were counting them in the Champions League uh, territory, but now Arsenal are only three points away. Mate, don't. Don't do it to me. Tottenham <sighs> are only five points away. What I was going to say, there is a chance that North London just kicks... Chelsea out of the Champions League. We will see. I, I know I like that would be pretty funny. That would be very, very funny. I think I would like take. Yeah, I'd be happy with Tottenham qualifying for the Champions League if it meant that Chelsea didn't. I think that would just be really funny. It would be because okay. they, they would have gone from title contenders, as I said at the beginning of the season, potential winners to like Europa League. That would be pretty hilarious. But I think they will just get over the line. Um, but they really, really need to stop giving goals away. Some of their performances recently have been absolutely shocking, especially uh, especially Christensen. Um, they're really, really making far too many errors. In their last game, in their last five games, they've won two, um, losing to Arsenal, losing to Everton, drawing to United. Like They've really just been really inconsistent. I feel like maybe the players think that they're on the beach, even though there is still things to play for. And maybe the uncertainty around that club is actually starting to finally get its way onto the pitch. Um, and what I wanted to ask you, and then we'll move on to other teams, but do you think it's time for Richarlison and Pickford to move up the and just you know try an experience at another club? I think if Everton stay up this year, um, I think Pickford's a weird one. I still don't see any bigger club that would come in for him. I don't know if there's another club there like of the top six that needs a goalkeeper. And he's mm -hmm. still, even though I think he's pretty consistent, he has a a reputation of being quite erratic because he gets very pumped up, very vocal. I think I couldn't really see a bigger team coming in for him, even though I think he could be good enough. Whereas Richarlison, I think, yeah, regardless of if Everton stay up or go down, he will move on next year. I personally would Love him at Arsenal, even though he is a bit hot and cold. Um, I would absolutely love this game, but I think I could see him kind of not Liverpool, but he would be scary at Liverpool. But I think be. maybe like a United rebuild, maybe they come in for a Charleston. I can kind of see that. We will see what are the games that we got because then at the end of the episode, we quickly have to also review what happened in the Europa League and in the Conference League. A lot happened. Um, let's go to... Oh, here we go. Um, it's that time of year again. Norwich have been relegated. Uh, <laughs> what? How, how, how short we knew thee. Um, they lose 2-0 to Aston Villa, ending Aston Villa's terrible run of form, and Norwich are officially relegated. They're going to be replaced by Fulham. Um, it feels like Groundhog Day. This happens every single season. Norwich go down or Fulham go down, then Norwich come up or Fulham come up. And it's just like the rotating, you know, those like the rotating door, just it's endless. And something needs to be done about like <clears throat> the parachute payments you get coming down from the Premier League mean that when you get into the championship, you can just outspend everybody there. Mm -hmm. And it means that despite the championship being one of the most entertaining leagues in the world and one of the best leagues in the world, it still means that like, increasingly there's a bigger gap. So like Bournemouth look like they could come straight back up again pretty much. Um, and there is like a bigger gap forming. So I think as part of this fan-led review that they've they've now said is going to be brought in, but within four years, I think, which it needs to be brought in sooner, they need to look at the parachute payments and how they can close the gap between the Championship and the Premier League. But Norwich... The, the last time um, they played each other, Norwich and Fulham, I just looked it up, was on March 30th, 2018. So four years ago, it's going back and forth. It's Premier insanity. League League it is insanity. There's always one of them and they come up 
they've tried, well, Fulham especially, have tried the throwing money at the wall. It hasn't worked. Then they've tried, let's be sensible about it. It hasn't worked. Like, they need to, Fulham need to figure out their way. Norwich just don't spend any money. Mm-hmm. Like, their fans have been complaining about how they just, once they get to the Premier League, they don't actually take that risk and be like, right, let's stay up. They're like, right, let's see if we can stay up with what we've got. We'll take the money and then we'll go again. And I just think for fans, like for Norwich fans, you must prefer being in the championship because at least then you win games because it can't be fun getting promoted then just getting slapped every week, knowing that you're going to go down then being like, right, okay, see you in two years. Like that cannot be a fun experience. I think they're starting to get annoyed with the owners. They're starting to get annoyed with the club in general. But I honestly, if they didn't come back for a few years, I would be very, very happy because I'm just very... Very bored of having to watch them. Um, <laughs> so the relegations, they're relegated. Watford, after, uh, as I said, um, throwing away a lead against Burnley basically means they're relegated now. In the top four race, Arsenal have now got their third win in a row. It was huge as Tottenham did beat Leicester 3-1. With, I don't know if you've seen Son's last goal with his weak foot, but yeah. oh my days, that is a beautiful I just goal. Wanted- I just wanted to read to you these little stats that I found about uh, Mr. Son himself. So I will let you go. And as I retrieve the stat, I will read it to you. Well, I was just going to give a quick little shout out to Kulosevsky, who now has eight assists in 14 Premier League games, which is pretty crazy. He has become a key player for them very, very quickly. He set up the uh, Son's first goal, maybe, I think. Uh, so he got another, he got another assist. Tottenham finally had a shot on target, but as I said, Leicester in the Premier League have been a massive disappointment. And I don't think I've ever seen a team in the Premier League that are as bad at defending corners as Leicester. Oh, like, yeah, that's a good shot. That's a good shot. Give away goals from corners. It is insane. Arsenal have scored corners against them every time we've played them this year. I feel like they've conceded a ridiculous amount. Harry Kane was just left completely on his own in the box, 1 0. And then from that point, Tottenham kick on. West are massively disappointing. But Arsenal had to go to West Ham. Massively difficult game. Knowing that Tottenham have won, it was not a great performance. There was lots of moments with a bit of contention. I think we arguably could have given a penalty away on Jared Bowen. I think Ramsdale was quite lucky. At the end, West Ham weren't allowed to take a corner, which I think is a bit of a dodgy decision. Um, But two set pieces, two goals. We get another win. Arteta said, he came out and said, we won ugly. We've won, but we need to play a lot better. He said, I am not happy with that performance despite getting the win. I'm happy with the win, but not the performance. We need to kick on. We've now, up next, we've got Leeds at home, which we have to win. But we've seen in games that we're expected to win, we maybe don't do that well. So we need to get there. If we beat Leeds, the good thing is, I'm going to jinx this massively now, Tottenham have Liverpool next. I am banking on Liverpool beating Tottenham. Then if, 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 touch wood, we beat Leeds, we go into the North London derby with a five-point gap. If all the pressure is on Tottenham to win that game and we are okay with a draw, I would be much more comfortable watching that game. And I think realistically, again, touch wood, that could, could happen. And I really, really am hoping it does. If we go into that game with a five-point lead, I think. Yeah, if my grandpa had wheels, he would be a streetcar. Have you ever thought about that? That, That's very, very true. That's very true. (laughs) And I do also, I am very aware that Tottenham have beaten City twice this year. So I know that they are able to turn up against teams that play high lines and are better teams on them. So I'm definitely like, there's a lot of ifs and buts there. But just a hypothetical I'm putting out into the ether. Let's try and think it into existence. So the stat that I had for you about uh, about Son, it's actually three stats. It's a post that I found on Instagram on the Italian football page, Chiamarsi Bomber. And it goes, here is why Son shouldn't only be considered one of the best, one of the most loved players in the world, but also one of the top players in the world. In this Premier League, he's second in the rankings of uh, goal scorers with at least 19 goals. He's behind Salah only. Salah, wow. five penalties. Son, zero penalties. Um, he runs like a crazy man, and he also passes very well. Nine assists in this Premier League season alone. And finally, an incredible stat. Son is the football player in the history of the Premier League 
with the highest percentage of goals scored with his left foot. He scored 85 goals in the Premier League, 37 were with his weak foot, a staggering 44%. What do you think, Rory? Is that a weak foot anymore? Yeah, he doesn't have a weak foot. Like, in fact, like at, at some point, end, you go, okay, he's both footed. Yeah, like at the Santi end, at the end of the post, both footed. Yeah, at like, the end of the yeah. post, it says, yeah, it's not a weak foot if he scored thirty-seven goals with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, he's a player again that we've talked about. That partnership between him and Kane is like telepathic at this point. They're so like they've played together for so long and so well together for so long. Kulusevski has been a great third part that they needed there within that, like you know, the three. 4-3 that Conte likes to play. He needed that third and Kulisevsky slotted in very, very well. Um, the only thing for them is that if Kane and Son don't score, nobody else does really. And I think certain teams are able to stop Kane and Son as we've seen over the last couple of games. So I think for Tottenham, there's still a bit of an over-reliance on those two players, but Son is a fantastic, fantastic player. Um and the only reason why I don't like him is because he plays for Spurs. I get it. I do get it. <laughs> what else have we got in the what else have we got in the Pram Raw? Well, just looking at the title race. So Liverpool with a slightly rotated team managed to scrape past Newcastle 1-0. Naby Keita getting the goals. Liverpool have an air of inevitability about them. They are just getting these results, but they've now not conceded a Premier they've not conceded a goal in the Premier League in three. They've not conceded a goal at all in four. Um, they are definitely getting that, like, well, we've said it, the cold, dead stare of just getting these wins. But Newcastle, we we said it as well, not a uh, not an easy place to go to anymore, but they snuck through 1-0. The only problem for them is that they are behind Man City, and Man City seem to be not, mis- not making any mistakes going to an Ellen going to Ellen Road which again has been a harder place to go to since um since Jesse Marsh took over but they managed to get 4-0 flatters them a little bit I think Leeds actually played better than the 4-0 suggests the two once they got 2-0 ahead it was just from set pieces and then the last two leads were just tiring but I think the 4-0 slightly flatters them but what you see is that City again just don't make mistakes and I think there's kind of a, a a um, symmetricalness, which definitely symmetry that's the word. Symmetricalness, <laughs> there's a symmetry between the Premier League and Serie A this year. In that, and sorry to bring it up, but Inter could win every game and still not win the league, right? And Liverpool could win every game and still not win the league. And I feel like that must be well, tell me, Tommy, how infuriating slash scary is that? <laughs> No, look, man, the the only infuriating thing is that Radu mistake uh, against Bologna. It's that mm. Lautaro Martinez penalty miss in the Milan Derby in December. Those are the infuriating moments. Yeah. It's not that we can win every game and lose the title. Um, another thing that is infuriating is fucking Terracciano passing the ball to Rafael Leao with an open pitch in front of him. Like, those are the infuriating yeah. things. Like... I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Because if you look at like the Premier League table, Liverpool, Liverpool could lose two games and not win the league. Yeah, (laughs) like they could have ninety points and not win the league. Like Arsenal never reached that point when we won the Premier League. That's the point. That's the point where the parallel and the symmetry Mm. ends with the Serie A because these teams (laughs) they have actually they have actually done very well this season. While Serie A is going to end at around eighty points, maybe you know. Yeah, yeah, City could get close to 100. They won't get 100, but they could get close to 100. Um, so, yeah, the, prim- the the title race marches on. It's basically just like, you know, the the standoff, the Mexican standoff in the Cowboy film, just two teams staring at each other, see who, see who blinks first. I think maybe none of them blink and City just win the league. <laughs> I think I think that's what's gonna happen. Uh, I don't. I can't see City slipping in any way in the Premier League at all. The only the only ray of hope I've got for you, Liverpool fans, is that if they lose to Real Madrid this week, maybe they go into a tailspin and Pep Guardiola overthinks to the point where he starts Edison up front or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, that's Sterling the only ray involved. of light I can see for you guys. Good. If we're done with the Premier League, I would like to quickly talk about the Conference League and Europa League semifinals that we had last week. The one that I watched, the starting from the bottom, starting from the Conference League, was Leicester-Roma. And I have to say one thing, that 
these two teams that got to the semifinal together, they're kind of very similar. Like it was a very even game, like a very, very closely contested and even game. Um, Roma, I was thinking a lot. I haven't watched many Roma games. I was thinking of our interview with our um, stand-up comedy friend, uh, Daniele Tinti. They said that they don't play good football. I I don't know. I think they did pretty well the other night. Uh, Leicester did not have that grit in front of goal. Mm. You know, Madison, he had a few similar shots, could never aim towards goal. Eventually, the ball does go, does go in through a Mancini on goal. It's 1-1. There is everything to play for in Rome. I think Rome are going to go through, though. I think the Olimpico is going to be a spectacle that not many Leicester players will expect. Yeah, I think I would not want to be walking into that cauldron on Thursday night. Like we saw how what the queue was 110,000 people trying to get tickets. Yeah. Like that place is going to be rocking. Like Roma fans can taste it. They can just Mourinho, it feels written in the stars that Mourinho becomes the first manager to win the Conference League. And then just in every press conference, he's like, I was the first to do it. Football yeah. heritage or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other semifinal was Feyenoord Marseille. Number one, the Rotterdam Stadium looks fucking oh. insane. We were talking about it in the last episode that we released, how in the Champions League, all the teams that see all the way to the semifinals, their supporters aren't that passionate. Well, in Leicester, the Roma fans were singing way more. We're singing way, way more than the Leicester fans. And then in this game, the Feyenoord fans just looked terrifying, just scary. And the atmosphere was incredible. Feyenoord go up 2-0 through a Desers, sorry, through Desers and Sinisterra. Marseille managed to come back and draw the game. Man, did you see the third goal that Feyenoord scored? Just what did they do in the locker room? I might be interested. They were in the Netherlands, you know, maybe they got a little baggy. They started smoking a little doobie. <laughs> but dude, that was ridiculous. Off the off the, the 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 what do you call the 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 kick at the beginning of the kickoff? Yeah, straight from kickoff, straight from kickoff, straight bang, from kickoff, yeah. lazy pass to the goalkeeper. Uh, the Saris intercepts, easy goal is three two. Marseille are not able to overturn it. Even worse, for the rest of the game, it felt like more mistakes were just mm -hmm. ready to happen one after the other. Uh, everything to play for in Marseille as well. There is no away goal rule, so literally everything and anything could happen. Rory, did you keep an eye on West Ham in their Europa League semifinal against Frankfurt? Yeah, I really worry this might be a bridge too far for West Ham. They were so unlucky at the end. Jared Bowen hit oh the crossbar God, with an overhead with kick that would have taken the roof off the London Stadium. That would have been an inc like water goal. That would have been. I do. Frankfurt are. They're a very very clever team. They know what they're doing. I feel like they're super dangerous. They're, talking of stadiums that are going to be rocking, the Frankfurt fans, we've talked about them oh so many times God. since we saw them at the San Siro, man. Like, you showed me the video of them all marching across London, right? Like, hundreds of thousands of Frankfurt fans. That place is going to be rocking. I really, really hope West Ham get to the final. I really hope they do. It just seemed like it might have been a bridge too far this season. West Ham have played a lot of games with a very small squad. And like, I think Dawson's going to be out for it, right? Did he get sent off that game? No, that was in the league, right? I feel like they're kind of, they're missing quite a few defenders at the moment. They could just be running out of legs a little bit, which would be so bad, but I really hope they do it. Come on, you Irons. And bad news again for the UK as the Rangers from Scotland lose 1-0 against RB Leipzig. What a hit by Angelino outside the box. Unsavable. What a clutch goal, 85th minute. I always, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, he played for C. I forgot yeah. about him. And he's a yeah. very, very good player. He's been doing really well at Leipzig since he got there. Um, yeah, for Rangers, again, like their season, like they've disappointed in the SPFL. Um, Celtic have won the league now, I'm pretty sure, or are favorites to win the league. Um, but the Europa League campaign has been incredible. Again, this feels like just maybe a bridge too far. Leipzig are definitely the favourites for the competition, right? They have to be the favourites for the competition. Um, they've had a pretty good season since they appointed Tedesco. He has improved them a lot. 
Um, so I think, yeah, maybe a bridge too far for Rangers. Um, and I saw some fans singing bloody 10 German bombers. And I thought, what bloody year is it? Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, great goal from, um, from Angelino. Just one thing about Angelino. I, whenever I see that guy, I think that we wanted to do an episode. Maybe we'll do it. Just a bantery episode in the future. Just select a bunch of players and kind of guess what job they would be doing if they were not playing football. Solely based on their physical appearance, Angelino is the guy that you usually find in Ibiza outside of a club selling you pills. He just gives me that vibe. I'm glad he's a footballer instead and he's making millions, but yeah. He's probably making less money than he would be (laughs) selling pills in Ibiza. Yeah, it depends on how good of a retailer you are, you know. Um, But yeah, that's it with the Europa League action and the Conference League action. Of course, the return leg is going to be this Thursday. Something for the wave organizers, guys. Just you know, maybe don't put them, don't put four semifinals on the same day. My screen is just so big, you know, I cannot fit them all. <laughs> and finally, we've got Champions League action this week. It all kicks off tomorrow with Villarreal Liverpool. We said there might be a little surprise, Rory. How are we feeling? I'm going to say Villarreal early goal to make it tense, but then Liverpool see it out. Ooh, final result prediction? One all. Ooh, one one. This wouldn't be the first time that Liverpool draw a game to advance in this Champions League. However, I think that they're kind of aware that their run to the final hasn't been that intense and that they really they hasn't. drew they drew a game three three against Benfica at home. I think that they kind of want to go here and take it as a final. Just like show their fans they've got what it takes to either take on Real Madrid or Manchester City. Like, you've got, no disrespect, but a lightweight in the semifinal. You want to just, like, knock him out to show that you're ready to take on the heavyweight, if it makes sense. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. But we have the main course. They're they're, they're making us wait this week. But I cannot wait to watch this game. I have a visitor this week, and I'm sorry, Claudio, but you're going to have to put up with the fact that I'm going to be watching that game while we have dinner. Like, it is not... I am not missing that game under no circumstances. Um, How is this game going to go, Tommy? I think at the Bernabeu, both PSG and Chelsea have been close to qualifying, and they've not done it. I feel like Man City are going to be the next victims. Look... I don't know, man. I really, really, really don't know. If let's put it, let's spin it this way: If you were a Liverpool fan, who would you rather take on the final? Oh God, the 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 ghosts of Real Madrid in the final would terrify me. But then I also think maybe you know, like how Milan lost to Liverpool in that horrific way, but then they met them in the final a couple of years later and then just like did them, and it was like really comfortable and easy and done. I think maybe that's the story arc we get that now Liverpool get to the final and they're like. We've matured. We've grown up. They win the final. Personally, I want to see a Liverpool Real final. Then Allison drops three clangers, <laughs> and it goes down to that again, just for the narrative. But mate, um, just there is an incredible narrative that I don't want to fucking jinx it. But I'm gonna say it here right now. Benzema, who's been just you know just he's been radiated for a long time from the French national team. He goes to Paris for the Champions League final and lifts it in front of his own nation that he wasn't able to win the World Cup with because he wasn't part of the squad. I think that would be an incredible storyline as the Champions League top goal scorer, as the big-time protagonist for Real Madrid, back-to-back braces. That man, that if Real Madrid do win the Champions League, I expect a very well-made Netflix documentary on Benzema's season. And oh, I was—I thought you were just going to say one of those short videos he does of him getting in and out of his car. <laughs> There'll be plenty of them. Yeah, Except yeah, with the Champions on. League trophy this time. Put the sunglasses on, beat drop. Like, Look, yeah, yeah. I just think, I, I think this game, if um, se le difese sono saltate, if the defenses blew up in the first leg, you can expect absolutely the same in the second leg. Yeah. But we know that very often when we expect something from Ancelotti, the exact opposite happens. But this is the beauty of football. This is the beauty of Champions League. We have no fucking idea of what's going to happen. We don't even know if Liverpool are going to get to the final. Honestly, I would love for Villarreal to go to the final. That would be insane. You imagine. 
Villarreal yeah, Real Madrid a... final as Liverpool and City both shit the bed. It would be quite funny for all the like Prem heads to be like, but it's a farmers league. Like, it would be quite <laughs> funny to see the reaction. And then Villarreal <laughs> win it. We don't know what the fuck is going to happen, and that's why we're gonna call it time. We are done with episode. I will correct myself at the beginning. I said episode sixty. It's actually episode sixty-one. We have come all the way to the end. Remember to follow us on Instagram at AngloItalianPod, on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod. Yes, Rory's pointing down. If you're watching the YouTube video, you've got all the links. It's right there. It's coming now. You can also give a follow to our sponsor at the Sports Club Maps. And guys, 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 guys. There it is. We are already... (laughs) Yeah, you were waiting for the banner to (laughs) stop underneath your index. But guys, just so you know, we know, we know that we've promised plenty of things all over the place, all the time. And sometimes we haven't really stuck to what we said. But this is the second season, and there are some things that we're working on for the next one. We are not going to anticipate what they are in order not to let you down, but our head is fully focused on this season, but also a little bit on the next. Rory, anything to say to our listeners before we send them off? I'm off to pass out. I am so, so tired. Uh, (laughs) Have a good week, guys. I hope you enjoyed your footballing weekend. We will see you on Friday. The last thing I wanted to say, very controversial figure in world football, Mino Raiola, has officially passed away. It is a sad news. You may like the guy, not like the guy, most likely. But I just wanted to share with you this quote that I read by by Walter Sabatini. He's the sporting director at Salernitana. He was the sporting director at Rome. And he wrote on his social media, he said, Mino, you and I argued quite a few times. However, I have to thank you. And I cannot thank you enough because when I was very sick in the hospital, you called my wife every day, offering, offering me treatment in the United States at your expenses. It was a very noble act. You didn't have to do it. And the most classic thing about it is that newspapers never found out about it. So it was silent. It was heartfelt. And I thank you for that. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mino Raiola. And uh, you've definitely changed the world of football agents forever. I think that a lot of people are thanking you right now. Well, This is it with our episode 61. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Enjoy the semifinals in the conference, Europa and Champions League. Talk to you later and Forza Inter. Bye. Bye, guys.